This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. CanDo is navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit CanDoWealth.com. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots. I'm James Heal and I'm joined today by Katie Balls and Isabel Hardman. Papers today all triumphantly herald Rishi Sunak's deal. Katie, do you think that those in number 10 were hoping for a reaction as good as this? I think this goes beyond some of uh, what figures in number 10 were hoping they would see. Now, there's still some way to go, as we talked about yesterday on the podcast, but I actually think there's, among Tory MPs, pleasant surprise at what Rishi Sunak unveiled, though the legal text is still being gone through. And I think from the number 10 perspective, perhaps it's fair to say, I think it's gone, their best case scenario is probably what we're seeing now, because I just don't think they ever thought the DEP were going to turn around like that and say this is a fantastic deal. I think probably more the base level scenario is a situation where they don't completely oppose it. And yes, we've had a few voices coming out from the DEP, but they are the most hardline members of the DEP. So we, we are still waiting in terms of form of verdict. And I think if you just look at some of the front pages today, the Daily Mail, which I think it's fair to say is not always Rishi Sunak's best friend, and particularly often will splash on a Boris Johnson story that has Rishi done the impossible. Now it's posing it as a question, but it writes Tory rebellion appears to melt away. And I thought that front page was particularly striking because we all know Boris Johnson is continuing to study the documents, waiting for his next move. But were he to have an intervention, he'd look at his previous ones, it's the type of thing that paper would, would cover very closely. And yet it feels as though, today at least, the press are moving behind the deal. And I think that's quite important for Rishi Sunet because we know if, if all of a sudden you had the Express, the Mail, Telegraph, Telegraph also suggesting you know this could be Rishi Sunak's best day as Prime Minister today, yesterday. If they're all coming in behind you, it just adds to this mood music as members of the European Research Group make up their mind. Now, I think there's a difference between what the DEP are going to do and what the ERG are going to do. That, Of course, if the DEP say outright no, that influences the ERG. But certainly speaking to Tory MPs, there is a sense that this has actually landed better than many expected. And you have plenty of senior Brexiteers who have said they back this. So you had David Davis yesterday in the House of Commons for, you know, ringing endorsement. You have Steve Baker, who has not only not resigned, has actually gone out and done a media round saying you know, how much he, he thinks the deal is a win. Doesn't say it's completely perfect, but says it's urging his fellow Brexiteers to take the win as it is and work from there. And therefore, I think the picture is pretty positive for Rishi Sunak. I think there's still every chance of a Tory rebellion, but I do think the warnings we had, um, if you think back to, you know, a few weeks ago of a rebellion up to 100 Tory MPs, I don't know what Isabel thinks, but I, I would be surprised if it was near that level. It feels it feels much more contained. Yeah, I think that uh, the reaction so far has made it much harder, as you say, for there to be a big push from uh, the remaining critics. And watching the Commons response yesterday, I mean, there was mockery of Boris Johnson uh, initially when Rishi Sunak paid uh, tribute to his predecessors for laying the ground for this deal. There was a sort of theatrical hilarity from the opposite benches. And then a number of MPs actually highlighted the fact that Boris Johnson wasn't in the chamber because he was obviously so busy reading uh, the detail of the framework elsewhere. There are a couple of things that, that could aggravate 
a, a small rebellion. I think, it, again, we still don't have full details of when this vote will be on the deal. But Rishi Sunak kept saying uh, in responses to both the DUP and other MPs, including uh, Simon Hoare, who's the uh, chair of the Northern Ireland uh, Select Committee, that he would have the vote uh, once everyone had had time to read the text of the agreement, which you know is is fair enough. Not something that often happens, I have to say, in Westminster, giving people time to read things um, and expecting them to do so. But um, there are some who've been suggesting this morning that too much time may give rebels a chance to organise. But look, I, I mean, there there will have to be a a sort of fatal flaw for them to or uh, that they haven't found yet for them to organise a a rebellion that's going to worry the prime minister. And the way in which he was framing this, both obviously at his press conference, but then again when he was selling the deal to um, to the Commons in the evening, was that history will judge you if you if you don't take this opportunity, as as he called it. And uh, he was, you know, being very respectful of the DUP and saying, you know, I know you you want time to consider this, and we'll make sure that uh, you've got time before the vote and all that sort of thing. But but again, his framing and certainly the the, the briefings uh, from a lot of people in government behind the scenes are that now really is the time to move on. And uh, I, th- I think that's something that anyone who tries to push back against this now is going to have quite a hard time answering. That's that's not to say that there won't be you know, issues. Um, and uh, I'm sure as the ERG's um, star chamber of lawyers go through this as well, there's going to be a bit of to and fro um, between Downing Street and that group of Brexiteer MPs. And again, the answers, uh, the substance of the answers is is only sort of 50% of that. It's also the way in, the way in which Sunak treats um, those Brexiteers, whether he shows respect or impatience towards them, uh, is still really important. And Katie, how has Rishi Sunak's perception among Tory MPs changed the result of this? We spoke on this podcast before how he's quite a cautious figure, and we were saying you know, this is a sort of fraught with dangers and pitfalls. But judging on the initial reaction, we're recording this at 9.30 on the Tuesday. So far, we haven't seen any Conservative MPs come out and publicly criticise it, albeit we've got the ERG meeting tonight. Do you think that perhaps following the Section 35 case, following the kind of small things that Sunak has been doing to try and get some order back in a place, there is a kind of sense now that perhaps the Conservatives can actually pull together now. I think it's a bit of a sense that, as ever, it's early days to say, you know, one event is going to change the perception of someone's premiership. But I think, as you point to, I remember writing a column a few weeks ago where I said, um, an ally of Rishi Sunak said, the cashmere is coming off. <laughs> um, and what what they meant by this was that Rishi Sunak was about to get tough. And I think on two issues, one was small boats, and we're still waiting for that. And that is actually potentially a fight with the left of the party and also a fight with institutions. And the other is a Northern Ireland protocol because there's lots of figures who have effectively warned Rishi to stay away from the issue of the Northern Ireland Protocol, including MPs who backed him out twice on the grounds that it's messy, um, it offers uh, Boris Johnson a potential platform to start mounting a comeback from the sidelines, and it would be a vehicle. So in in the column in this week's magazine, I have, you know, one of you saying it's becoming a referendum on Rishi Sunak. All the people who don't particularly like his leadership have something to organise around. So I think that was the risk. I still think there's doubt about what this does in terms of the pace of returning power sharing to Stormont. I still expect that you will have at least a couple of Tory rebels. But I think it's quite clear that MPs are pleasantly surprised by how much Rishi Sunak has got. And 
were therefore seeing lots of people taking a second look at Rishi Sunak within the Tory party and saying, oh, oh, well, yes, he isn't, you know, perhaps as combative or even I think probably what Boris Johnson and Liz Truss both did quite well was, you know, sending signals to their party and to a domestic audience on various issues like this. But obviously that sometimes comes at the detriment of then making it harder to reach agreements. So I think it's one of the reasons Rishi Sunak is often seen as a bit soft or, for example, despite the fact he backed Brexit, some of the members of the ERG have often not really felt he was a true Brexiteer um, because he has this slightly quieter, more polite approach. And I think the fact that he has got more from this deal is helping Rishi Sunak to be seen as, as a sensible person who is quite focused and get results. And of course, that can increase faith in the handling of other issues which is beneficial is also I think interesting in terms of Boris Johnson because you look at the press conference yesterday and it felt like uh, Ursula von der Leyen at various points was just saying you know so, well why now it should be not Boris it, effectively the EU a lot of what they're saying I think is they, did, they didn't feel they could deal with Boris Johnson that's partly because he obviously signed an agreement and then personally went back on it quite quickly and um, so therefore the baggage, as though as the fact there was also obviously some in Brussels who never liked Boris Johnson, I think the baggage meant it was then hard to have this reset of relations. So in a way, Boris Johnson was correct that you could agree a deal and then change it later. But the problem is you couldn't really do it. You were the person to sign the deal. So I think Rishi Sunak has benefited slightly from the fact he is a fresher face as well as his style. I think it's the two things coming together that's allowed him to get some of the changes that others haven't been able to. And Isabel, in terms of the choreography around this, we've seen a number of interventions by pro-Brexit sort of grandees. You've seen in today's Mail, for instance, four, uh, sorry, three former Brexit secretaries come out and support it. Are we going to be seeing much more of this in the coming days, particularly, as I say, ahead of that kind of crunch ERG meeting this evening? Yeah, I, I mean, I think some of it is choreography and you know, planned centrally by number 10. I, I think some of it really is uh, a sort of emotional reaction from people like Steve Baker, uh, for instance, and I thought Steve Baker's interview last night was really interesting because he had been very upset that he wasn't part of these negotiations and uh, described himself last night as, as behaving like a bear with a sore head um, about this. But clearly, Rishi Sunak managed to manage Steve Baker quite well yesterday in that he came out of his uh, discussion with the Prime Minister about the deal saying that he now understood for a reason that he was not going to disclose why he had been kept out of the negotiations. And he was very, very happy with the deal. It was brilliant. And he then, you know, talked about his own sort of personal struggles mentally um, as a result of the Brexit battles and, and clearly feels that now is the time for, for him and everyone else to to move on and, and recover from the past few years. So I, I think, you know, some of it is, so far, good management from Rishi Sunak. I don't want to say that he's managing the Tory party well, because firstly, that is impossible. And secondly, it's very early days. But yes, some of it is also clearly very well coordinated. From a political perspective, I think the fact that Rishi Sunak in the chamber yesterday, you know, the fact he was warmly welcomed by the Tory benches. We know that Keir Starmer has been trying to depict the Tory party. And as Isabel just pointed out, it's not that hard to do these days as, you know, pretty ungovernable. So every time he's spoken about the protocol, he's been trying to paint Labour as a pragmatist who are going to help Rishi Sunak get his deal over the line because the hardliners in the Tory party um, are just going to be too too tricky and, and therefore you need the sensible adults. Is effectively what he is saying, paving the way for, you know, 
the repositioning of Labour ahead of the next election as its mainstream option that uh, respects Brexit, etc. And I think that if you think to probably how it looked from Keir Starmer's perspective yesterday, it was pretty well organised in the chamber. It was very hard. To, there wasn't a single Tory MP publicly spoke against it. Now, it's partly because of going over the legal document, but you still could have had some sounding alarm. It could have been that the agreement just did not go so far straight away that you had people coming out. And that is a problem for Keir Starmer if Rishi Sunak can start to look as though he you know, is a leader of authority on his party because it takes away one of the you know the biggest attack lines, which is Keir Starmer wants to keep saying Rishi Sunak is weak. There are lots of Tory MPs who've been quite keen that uh, did take a stance on the subject to stand up to some in the party and I think that anything he's clearly picking his battles carefully but I think by picking some of these and if you do it with success it does make it much harder for Labour to attack and I think just looking at the specifics because we went over the agreement briefly on yesterday's podcast but I mean I think clearly the Stormont break I think is the thing that has probably impressed uh, some Tory MPs the most, partly because they did keep it so guarded. No one really had any indication of that one. And because it's um, 30 MLAs from two parties that would need to um, voice those, it means you effectively have a unionist veto. You think there's three unionist parties at the moment. And then also, I think, the checks on goods. But already now you're hearing some, I think, on the Northern Ireland side, you know, looking at some of the coverage over there, which is saying which is saying there's still quite a few checks. It's not as completely, uh, you know, carefree as Rishi Sunak is suggesting all these things. So I expect in the coming days, as people go through the details, there'll be some questions as though, yes, I don't think anyone disagrees that this is a huge pragmatic improvement on what was there previously. But there's clearly still a difference between how Northern Ireland is treated and the rest of the UK. And I think as they go through the document, some of Rishi Sunak's claims are not going to be wrong, but it'll just be the details which show that it's an improvement. There's still various things that people have to do. And I, and I wonder if that's going to be something which influences the DUP in the coming days. A great question. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Isabel. And thank you for listening to Coffee House Shots.